You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Jets podcast. It's Wednesday, May 15th, 2019. A gloomy day in New York sports. Condolences to you Nick fans out there after the events of last night's NBA draft lottery. This is your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. It is nice to have you with us as we talk about the NFL and the New York Jets. And yesterday I was chatting with a few people about various topics, and a few things came up that got me thinking about how my opinions have changed on certain things in the NFL in recent years. And I think that the ability to change your mind is really important in when you're talking about breaking down football or you know even life in general. If you never change your mind on anything, you probably aren't thinking things clearly because the longer you live, the more perspectives you get, the more you realize that, you know what, my original opinion on this may have been mistaken and maybe I should think of things in a different way. You should always be challenging your viewpoints. It's never a good idea to be like overly rigid and think that you think that you have all the answers because nobody's right 100% of the time and you should always consider things from other viewpoints. Sometimes what you find is that the evidence that you explore, you, you test your viewpoint, and your original opinion is right. You actually become more convinced that your original opinion is right. But other times you come you come away thinking, you know what? I've considered after considering certain aspects of this, I was wrong. I think I think that I actually was wrong. And on today's show, I wanted to give you a few things of. I've changed my mind about in recent years in the NFL, my philosophies on building an NFL team. And I'd be interested to hear yours uh, after the show. I think it's always good. I, I always think that the more perspectives you get, the more apt you are to get things right. And, you know, the first thing I'm going to talk about is the value of a draft pick. And I have to be honest with you. It's something I did not always appreciate. Uh, back when I first started the website that, that I write on, I was not really... I was one. I was one of those people that felt like draft picks were kind of overrated. I felt like, in many instances, you should be willing to part with a draft pick in a trade if you could get an established veteran player. And the rationale behind that is easy: is most draft picks do not pan out. the The hit rate on draft picks is quite low. So you know, the thinking goes that okay, well, if I, if I trade a draft pick, I'm trading. You know, something that could turn into a good player, like something that has low odds of turning into a good player. Whereas if I get an established veteran, I know he's a good player. So the odds of me getting production are much higher. Makes sense. You know, it makes sense on paper. But through the years, I've kind of studied the way successful teams operate. And, you know, I've come to a few conclusions. First of all, a draft pick costs less money than an established player. Veteran players, after their first contract, make a lot more money. That's kind of kind of the way the NFL works. You get players. Players don't really have many rights until they hit free agency, which is not till a couple of years into their career. The first couple of years of their career, they have to play at very limited values in terms of contract. So even if a guy's not, even if a guy on his rookie contract is not as good as a veteran you acquire, the guy on the rookie contract might be a better value because it's not just about the player on the roster; it's also about the cap space. If I have a guy who's you know, a solid player who's making $3 million a year and a guy who's a little bit better but making $10 million a year, the $3 million guy might be more valuable because even though even though he's not as good of a player because I have an extra $7 million 
to play with. I have an extra $7 million of cap space where I can bring in other players. So the $3 million player plus the players I can bring in with the extra $7 million I have might be more valuable than this than the $10 million player. But beyond that, you know, you just have to think about the impact of drafting well and the impact of not acquiring play, quality players through the draft. And I, one of the things that I came to realize was that I was thinking about this all wrong. You know, I was thinking like, okay, well, in this round, there's only a 20% chance of hitting on a pick. Well, that's not really... You have to consider the benefits of hitting on a draft pick because, again, you get a player who's very cheap in terms of cap num in, in terms of a cap number for four years. So the benefit you gain from hitting on a player is much greater than what you lose from missing on a draft pick. That's something that I think people miss out when they talk about, well, the odds of this being a good player are this, the odds of a veteran I trade for the pick for. It's not just that. It's, a, it's not just about the odds. It's about the benefit you get. Like An example I would use is the lottery. And this is an extreme example. I don't think the odds are quite as stacked it, it, when you talk about the lottery, but it's, it's the same concept. My odds of winning the lottery are pretty low or astronomically low. But if I win the lottery, I get a, I gain a lot more than I lose by losing the lottery. That, that's kind of the way I view it. It's like if I lose the lottery, what if I, I lost $2, what, $1 or $2? That's not going to make a big difference to me. But if I win the lottery, my life changes. Now, the benefits of you know hitting on a player in the third, fourth, fifth round of the draft is not as big as me winning the lottery, the change the lottery would make in my life. But the odds of me hitting on a draft pick in the third, fourth, fifth rounds are not are much higher than me than the odds of me uh, winning the lottery. So you know, those things balance out. That's just a, it's an extreme example. It's not not you know one to one comparison. But that's the example. It's not just you know, it's not just okay. I'm the same. The, the missing on a pick is the same negative as the positive of me hitting on a pick. And if you don't hit on draft picks, then you've got big problems because you essentially need to make make up for the missed draft picks by spending big money in free agency because if you can't find your players in the draft that means you have to find them on the open market in free agency which is tough to do because in free agency the supply is rather limited and demand is typically high for players which means you end up overpaying for players and, and there are also other questions that, that come with these guys because these are not guys you developed in your locker room so the question do you, does your co if a guy is a good player somewhere else, he's not always going to be a good player for you. He may not fit the chemistry of your locker room. He may not fit the scheme. You know, he may not mesh with the coaches you have. There's always a bigger risk in bringing in somebody from the outside than there is from developing somebody in your locker room, in your building, in your system, and understanding what makes him tick. Understanding that you know what this guy's a good fit, knowing that this guy's a good fit, versus kind of having to guess. When you bring in a free agent from the outside, do you end up relying a lot more on free agency when you cannot draft well because you have to make you have to find if you can't draft good players, the only other way to find them is to bring them in from the outside. So that makes hitting on draft picks important. And I'm not saying that there's never a justified trade. I'm not saying that you know you never trade a draft pick for an established player, but I think that these the context that this is viewed in is often too simplistic, and I think that the situations where it makes sense to trade for a trade draft pick for an established player probably less than the conventional wisdom you know and i think part of it goes back to if you're going to trade picks for players you need to be able to replenish the well you need to acquire extra picks to make up for the ones you're trading away because you really really need to hit on draft picks so draft picks i think are really valuable they're more valuable than i think people realize and that's something i've come to 
something I've come to understand the longer I follow the NFL. Blue Chew provides the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue, B-L-U-E, chew, C-H-E-W.com. You get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Locked On Jets podcast on this Wednesday. Today I'm telling you some things I've changed my mind on through the years as I've watched and analyzed the NFL. And another thing that pops into my mind is just... The way the league evaluates prospects and the way the league constructs its systems, uh, its systems on offense mainly and to a lesser extent on defense. And I have to admit, I kind of bought into the conventional wisdom. And I think everybody now has kind of seen the light on this issue. I think over the last two years in particular, teams have kind of smartened up. And I think I think a lot of fans have smartened up with them. I used to really buy into this whole idea of the pro-style offense versus the college-style offense, about how the college-style offense wouldn't work in the NFL, and that had a lot to do with how teams viewed draft prospects, uh, particularly at the quarterback position. You know, you always heard about the spread quarterbacks, about how they could never work in the NFL, about how you need to run a pro-style offense to win in the league, and... I mean, to an extent, it is true that the NFL, you're always going to have more complicated plays than you will in college. Um, You know, in the NFL, you have quarterbacks constantly making what are known as full field reads. And essentially what that means, I mean, there's it's kind of tough to to describe briefly, but the best way I could describe it is essentially, you know, a full field read means that, you know, it's what it sounds like. You're reading the full field, obviously, but generally speaking it means that you're trying to put four you know, five receivers into a into like a section of the field with four defenders or four receivers into a section of the field with three defenders whereas the college style plays tend to be much more simplistic where you're just trying to throw the ball to you know maybe a spot on the field where there are two receivers against one defender or you're just manufacturing a touch where you're um, for you're you're just thro- throwing the ball quickly to a playmaker, getting the ball in his hands and designing something to get him in space, or you're, you know, forcing the quarterback to decide. You're making the you're essentially you're you're asking the quarterback to make easier decisions, and uh, yeah, like I said, I I bought into this, and I really shouldn't. I really should have known better than this, and really it should not have taken me up to like the last two years to like to figure this out, because you know if a play works on the college level, you know the one the reasoning I always heard about why plays and why you know why college systems wouldn't work in the NFL is that the defenses are faster well here's the thing the offensive players are faster too yeah the defensive players are maybe more skilled in the NFL but so are the offensive players so if something works in in college why wouldn't it work in the NFL football is football and it's something that like I didn't really appreciate I have to admit that I I kind of erred on this side so I'll try and not make that mistake again but I also think in general teams are just smarter about the way they utilize players and you know like I'll I give you an example is a guy like uh, Mark Barron who was viewed as a bust he was a guy who was pretty much viewed as a bust 
uh, in Tampa Bay, he was a terrible safety. And uh, I should, yeah, I guess he was a terrible safety. I, I don't know. If, I was thinking is terrible too strong of a word. I'm not sure. He was a big disappointment as a safety. And traditional thinking would be something along the lines of, well, this guy can't play. But what the Rams did was the Rams essentially turned him into a linebacker, even though he was undersized. And I think like in the in the NFL in the past, people wouldn't look at a guy like that as somebody who could play a linebacker. They'd just say, well, he's not big enough, instead of actually looking at what his skill set was. You know, they're, they're tried, they tried to fit the mold. The linebacker, it doesn't matter what his skills are. He has to be built this certain. has to be built this way. He has to weigh weigh a certain amount. I don't care what his skills are. Um, you know, you think back a couple of years ago with Arizona drafting Dayon Buchanan and essentially playing him as a linebacker, even though he was a safety. So guys like that. You know, I, I think the I think teams are more and more. They're not doing it as well as New England, but they're they're trying to ad- be smarter and adopt the Belichick mantra of you know tell me what a player can do and we'll figure out how to work him in. I think teams have become much less closed minded about the types of players that they're um, that that they're willing to take on. They're they're much less closed minded about positions you know, adhering to strict rigid position norms, and that's kind of where I've come all I've come along too. I've kind of evolved in my thinking as I've watched teams in the NFL have success. Getting going away from conventional wisdom when it comes to evaluating players, when it comes to uh, putting together their schemes, you know, in the NFL we're in kind of an exciting time because we're starting to see more and more innovation, and a lot of these innovations come from lower levels. They come from college. I mean, a lot of these things are not being invented by the NFL teams. They're kind of stealing them from lower levels. But it's about time. It's about time we, we got rid of this rigid thinking about what a p- prospect has to look like at a certain position, what tools somebody has to have, what plays you can run effectively. It's I'm really kind of happy to see this, that we're, we've become much more open-minded as a league. We've embraced innovation in a way that has not been done all that frequently in the past. And I have to admit, like I should have been smarter. I, I should, it should not have taken me this long to figure it, figure this out. You have to be less rigid. And really, I think you're seeing the traditional position de- designations go away. You have guys who are kind of running back receiver hybrid. Sometimes they go out into the slot. Sometimes they line up in the backfield, even though they're and you know, the Jets actually have some of these guys on their team right now. You know, you, and you're seeing systems kind of fade. You know, the systems of the past are fading away. It's not 3-4 versus 4-3 anymore. Everybody's defensive scheme has some variations of 4-3s. Everybody's has some variations of three of the old 3-4. I'm talking about what the past defenses are. These defenses are much less rigid. So those those labels kind of melt away. I just think everybody's become much more open-minded when you evaluate how you put, put your system together when you scout players out and the league is a better place because of it and like I said this one's on me I should it never should have taken me this long but I finally have changed my mind I finally have smartened up about things like this we're here locked on Jets today I'm offering you some things I've changed my mind on through the years in the NFL and the last thing I'm going to talk about right now is the general market value of quarterbacks and I want to explain what I'm saying is I'm not talking about the guys at the very top. I'm not talking about your Tom Brady's or Aaron Rodgers, those guys. But what I'm talking about is more the middle class of the quarterback position or what I'm going to term trap quarterbacks, quarterbacks who kind of sink your chances when you don't you don't realize that they're sinking your chances. I'm talking about like the the Andy Dalton's of the world. I'm talking about the Kirk Cousins of the world, the Joe Flacco's of the world. And what's tricky about these quarterbacks is at the start of their careers, these are very valuable players because of the rookie wage scale. Although I guess you know, Flacco came into the league before the rookie wage scale, but the rookie wage scale was something new that came into the league back in 2011. You know, Prior to that point, 
players who were at the first round picks were making a ton of money. I mean, they were among the top paid players on their team and the league kind of came to a conclusion that, you know, it makes no sense that guys who have done nothing in the league step right in. And now, now they're the highest paid player on their team. So they reduced rookie salaries. So that meant that of the salary cap pie, more money started going to veteran players. And in general, quarterback contracts got bigger. Quarterback second contracts got bigger and bigger and bigger. I think a lot of this money that, that was created by you know, the money that was not long, no longer going to the first round picks, it had to go to somebody else. And you saw kind of an explosion in quarterback contracts. If you look at the percent, you look at the deals that were signed after the cap, after the rookie wage scale, the percentage of the cap tended to be bigger than the, than the quarterback contracts before the cap. So this did a couple things. This had a couple impacts. First of all, Quarterbacks who were drafted became much more valuable because you get more value just in terms of playing out of the quarterback position than anywhere else. So if you have a quarterback on the rookie wage scale, it's really valuable because you're getting top, you're getting quarterback quality quarterback play, which is essential, and you're also saving a lot of money. You're also, you know, Aaron Rodgers costs a lot of money, whereas Sam Darnold doesn't. So if Sam Darnold goes out and plays well for the Jets this year, they're going to get quality quarterback play, but they're also going to have all extra cap space to build the rest of the roster because Sam Darnold's on his rookie deal. They just don't have to pay him a lot of money. So not only do you, get, you kind of have your cake and eat it too, you have good quarterback play and you have cap space to upgrade other spots on your roster. So that's a good thing. So you guys like uh, you know got your guys like Andy Dalton, originally they're very valuable because you're getting quality quarterback play, but you're not paying a lot of money for him. So you can surround him with a good team. The thing is, once the rookie contract expires, then the quarterback, then the inflated quarterback market comes into play and comes in to hurt your team. Because a guy like Andy Dalton, you can win with him, or a guy like Kirk Cousins, or a guy like Joe Flacco, you can win with them, but you can't have them taking up. You have to build a quality team around them, and if you're paying them, you know, a certain percentage of your cap, if you're paying them too much out of your cap, you don't have the resources to build a quality team around them. Now, again, it's different if you have Aaron Rodgers. It's different if you have Tom Brady. different if you have a truly top-flight quarterback, top-of-the-line quarterback, a Drew Brees or a, you know, Andrew Luck, one of those guys. That's different because those guys are so good that they add extra value that they can help. They can work around a lack of talent in other areas. They can help. They lift your team up, so you don't need to be as good in other areas. But guys like Cousins, and I'm picking, I guess I'm picking on these three because they're the three that pop into my head, Cousins, Flacco, Dalton, those guys can't lift a team on their own, but they're making so much money that you can't build the competitive team around them that they need, that they need to lift them up. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where, yes, those guys are better than what else you'd have. And those guys are better than going out and getting, you know, whatever scrub quarterbacks available on the market. Those guys are, those guys are not bums. They're not total bums, but they hurt your team. And I think, you know, you get to a point where some of those guys, the team would almost be better letting them go because these guys are these guys are never good enough to lift your team to a championship when they're making that kind of money because you can't put, again, you can't put the great team around them with them making that amount of money. But they're always good enough to keep their job. So you never have the guts to walk away from them because you always, you always worry about what happens, if, you know, what will I go to? Now my quarterback situation will be hopeless if I let this guy go. At least I'm getting some quality play. So I call them trap quarterbacks because they trap you into thinking that you should keep them. But by keeping them, you, you can't win. So yeah, that's one of the things that's uh, – and it's interesting how you see the league evolve. And I wonder if you're going to see an evolution in the league. Whenever there's something new that comes into play – 
it always takes a couple of years for teams to figure out how it works. That's how it worked with the salary cap when the cap first came into play. Some teams totally mismanaged their cap salary cap. You know, you hear you hear talk about teams that are in cap hell in the NFL in 2019. They're not really in cap hell. It's very difficult to get into true cap hell where you know you, it's years and years before you can compete. That's the way it was when the cap first came around because teams didn't know how it worked. And this rookie wage scale is new to the league. And I think one of the mistakes, teams did not really understand the impact it would have on the quarterback contracts because, again, first-round picks making less money, that means somebody else is making more. And that those somebody else's tended to be the quarterbacks. So now, the, so now I think having seen the impact that these middle-class quarterbacks making top dollar have on you, maybe we'll see teams evolve in their strategy. I think they should because I used to think that, you know, if you had a decent quarterback, you shouldn't let him get away. Now I feel like if you don't have a top-of-the-line quarterback, if you have like a guy who's kind of middle of the pack and he doesn't, you know, he's not going to grow from, grow from that, you might be better off letting him get away than giving him the big-money deal, not being able to support him with quality supporting cast. And, you know, your team not winning. I mean, that's kind of so I've, my thinking has changed on that completely over the last few years when I've, when I've looked at the, the impact these middle class quarterbacks taking top dollar have. That's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe iTunes, Spotify, leave the show a good review in iTunes if you do enjoy it. And I certainly hope to hear things you've changed your mind on. Have a great day, everybody.